0: Thursday got football back tonight, loving it. Got to say thanks to our friends from last night out at uh, Bullwinkle's in the Galleria. We had a great time out there last night. Good crowd, a lot of fun, and um, the uh, the uh, people from Budweiser from uh, Bud Light were fantastic. They gave away a bunch of stuff last night: hats and T-shirts and tchotchke stuff and. Had specials and such last night, but that was probably the first time in a while. They got people registered for the big screen TV, giving it away at the end of the year. So that's the first time in a while that uh, they came out with the the full entourage of giveaway stuff, which was kind of cool. So thanks to them for coming out last night as well. Today we are, uh, we're back at it and uh, a lot to get to. Today is fantasy football day, which we all know. The charge is going to be here. Paul charging. He's going to be joining us coming up a little bit later on today. The... Um, There is a couple of different things that I wanted to get into today because um, yesterday we talked about the offense and not having a downfield passing game as of yet. Just statistically speaking, it hasn't happened and you would assume it's going to morph into something at some point. So today I wanted to focus on and point to uh, what you feel good about right now regarding the pack. Not what worries you down the road, but, you know, because I'm trying to think, if you go by what Aaron Rodgers said in the Bill Belichickian sense, whatever it is the Packers do well, Belichick's going to try to take it away. So let's talk about what you would attack. If you're thinking as Bill Belichick today, what do the Packers do well that you want to attack? What is good about the Green Bay Packers right now? And I think if you go through the list – You can say the one-two punch of the run game. Now, granted, you would love to see A.J. Dillon have bigger gains, but he is that north-south battering ram that keeps that defense honest and pounds on him. Aaron Jones is kind of like the scat back. He is used as much as a receiver almost as – well, I shouldn't say almost because he doesn't have as many catches as he does touches, but he runs outward – and can catch the ball. Really good at blitz pickup. Uh, Robert Tanyan, as he continues to get his pitch count up, his pro- I would assume his progress is going to get only better. Same thing with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and Yash Nyman. How that offensive line is going to go. And then hopefully, eventually, you get Christian Watson back. And then... At some point, Sammy Watkins comes back walking through that door, and you get your complimental wide receivers. Then, what is good defensively speaking? Well, I, I don't think anybody can argue with the defense at this point. The defensive numbers have been pretty good. Uh, you get rid of that. Even the first game against Minnesota, they looked bad. They looked like they were, um, you know, had a few miscommunications and such. It felt like they were kind of feeling feeling. Then they then they got right. Now, granted, they got right against a bad Bears team. And they got right this past weekend. Tom Brady was frustrated, didn't have a lot of his weapons around him. We all know that he doesn't have Gronk as a safety weapon anymore. And the run game, the the Packers said, we're going to stop it. And they did. They did a great job with Leonard Fournette Uh, up front. The uh, the Kenny Clark, Jerron Reed, uh, Dean Lowry, T.J. Slayton, that group of guys has rotated through pretty well. They're playing a lot of nickels, so... They're pulling usually a defensive lineman or an extra backer, the linebacker off the field. We've seen them do that with Dime as well. Um, so, you know, you're seeing Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry or Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed. You've seen that combination quite a bit, and you're not seeing a lot at this point of Devontae Wyatt. But as Mike Clemens told us last night, we talked a little bit about He's got to learn a little bit more. He's got to understand things a little bit better because he was just, you know, kind of a a, a wrecking ball, a wrecking ball at Georgia. And that's fine because that's what you're paid to do at Georgia. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But in the NFL, you have a little bit more responsibility, some gap integrity and things like that, things that you have to really learn when to get upfield, when not to get upfield, when to hold a block, when to break down, when, you know, all that different stuff. Not that it's it's over. You're not a defensive back. You're not playing the route tree, so to speak. But he's got to learn. He's got some things he has to learn. And obviously the defense – the backers, uh, both inside and outside, have been pretty solid. Uh, Devondre Campbell again, even though he, statistically he's still racking up the numbers, but he he uh, isn't getting as much recognition this year as he was early on last year. But that's probably because he's doing his job. But early on, I mean, the first game of the season, there was a lot of people that kind of looked at this team and went, "Whoa, what what happened to that that top five defense we were talking about?" Give it time; they're starting to morph. We'll see what happens this week. So. The other aspect of this team that I think that is trending in the right direction, and this is great big knock on wood, special teams. Now, the return game is not unbelievably prolific, and Amari Rodgers isn't breaking returns for 25, 35, 55 yards. He's, He's not doing that. But other than the muff in the Bears game, it's been pretty solid. I would have liked to have seen him return that punt in the game against Tampa Bay this past weekend. Uh, The last one in which he had a couple of blockers ahead of him, one guy bearing down on him and pretty much 10 to 15 yards of open field. And he chose to fair catch it on more of a line drive style punt, but that's okay. It's not great. It's not preferred, but that's probably, as we discussed, it's probably what he was told. Just go out there, catch it. Don't worry about it. We got some time. We're going to put a drive together, run some time off the clock, and kind of end this thing. And that was really the goal of the Packers. So kickoffs have been good. Touchbacks have been coming. Uh, They have used the sideline as the 12th man. I mean, a lot of things that they're doing, coverage has been pretty good. We haven't seen anything really busted open, you know, for an embarrassing field flipper yet. I think one time, it might have been in the Chicago game, I think one time we've seen it. But beyond that, it's been actually pretty good. Pat O'Donnell has been punting extremely well. Although they haven't used it a ton, the process seems to at least have have been, at least for the time being, corrected for Mason Crosby. So, you know, we'll talk about the good. A lot of good for the Green Bay Packers. So we want to get into that today. And then last night, number 61, Aaron Judge goes yard, and ties Roger Maris's record for the most home runs in a season by an American League player. He is one home run away from breaking that record, and there is a very distinctive difference between what Judge has done and others in the past have done. And we'll talk about that because I think he he uh, he, he he deserves savage props, big time, big time. Uh, we got Paul Charchian coming up. We got fantasy football today, as I had mentioned, and I got a quandary of my own. So we're going to get into that when when Charch is joining us. So we have that coming up today. So a lot of good stuff today. Ben Kenny producing the show. Ben, how
1: you doing today? Not good at all, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we will get to it, but there's something happening in baseball, and as I yeah. said weeks ago and months ago, the Philadelphia Phillies will lay down and collapse come September. And the Brewers was... will probably sneak into the playoffs. We're in the middle of that right now. It is an embarrassment from the Philadelphia side of things. I probably need therapy uh, for what this team puts me through <laughs> and actually wanting them to succeed. So it it's a pretty horrible day. If I'm being completely honest, I hope everybody yeah. else enjoys my sadness. I know I didn't get into the Brewers stuff right away because I, I it goes hand in hand with
0: your misery. So I wanted to wait last topic, so to speak, to talk about the Brewers because, um, yeah, it's it's uh, twisting the knife in the gut and heart of one Ben Kenny as the Philadelphia Phillies collapse
1: like a uh, like a really badly built building. They're and folding see... like a lawn chair, to put it simply. Uh, okay, Ebo said today, okay. I look like Craig Council after a really excruciating loss, <laughs> and that super disheveled hair messed up. Looks like someone just broke up with him kind of deal. It's really, really bad, Bill. It's bad.
0: Okay. That's funny. <laughs> oh man. There you go. Um, let's do this. Um I, I know in the live stream there's a sound issue. We'll get that fixed. Don't worry about it. It should uh it should be better, but if it's not, let me know. Oh if it's not,
1: let me know. Um you know, I do the, have Craig uh, yeah, council audio from last night's game that we could play later. I can't wait to listen to it. I'm sure everybody else is equally yeah. as excited.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll we'll the the, the monotone. Look, I I like Craig cuz he's not ever too high, he's not ever too low. He always sounds the same, like he might have just woken up, gotten out of bed, went to the game and um then he's doing a press conference. <laughs> you know, he just, uh, you can pretty much do Craig Council's pressers. Everybody could do it. Very monotone. Oh, uh, you know, gosh, you know, you know, Woody threw great. His breaking stuff was really good. You know, he's just uh, he's lights out. Things are things are just progressing in a really, really great way. You know, so uh, you know, and and that's that's when they win. Now, if they lose, it's just you know, Woody just didn't have his stuff today, and you know, his breaking ball wasn't just. You know, kinda kinda had didn't have the movement on it that it normally does. And, you know, we had a couple of big hits, but, you know, we just weren't able to get it done. It's the same. Which is really kind of what you want. You know, a big win, a joyous win. You're in the playoffs, spray the champagne win. Ah, that's different. But for baseball, you know, <laughs> great counsel's like, ah, I'm here. Ask me a question. We can talk a little bit about the game, then I, you know, I'm I'm heading down to Calderon for dinner. I gotta get going. That's kind of what it is.
1: Yeah, I was being sarcastic when I said I'm excited to listen to it. This is excruciating.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. I I don't mind it. I some people mind it. I don't mind it. Me personally, I don't I don't have an issue with it. But I get what you're saying. The uh, oh, I will say this. Did you see the? Uh, we were talking yesterday about Brett Favre, and uh, you know everything that's going on down in Mississippi. Did you see the piece that the Athletic did on Favre? and how he went back for more money, took uh, $1.1 million for appearances. We all know that, that he, he never made. He supposedly had paid that back, but the state wanted the interest on the money. He owes still over $200,000 in interest on that money. He combined uh, Deanna's charity. Remember when Deanna had breast cancer, they did the breast cancer charity for Deanna, and then there was the Far for Hope Foundation, which was supposed to be money for underprivileged kids and kids with cancer and such. And uh, a lot of that money, along with Deanna's charity, once they combined those charities together under one umbrella, paid a lot of money, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, to the sports facilities as well. Um Uh, over $130,000 to the University of Mississippi Athletic Foundation out of those charities. And Favre continued to ask state officials for money for the volleyball facility, uh, eventually for – and also, don't forget, it it was um, Phil Bryant, then governor, uh, talked about the misuse of funds. It, It would be illegal. And this is all according to the text messages he's telling Brett and stating that, no, you, you we can't do this. But Favre was still asking for money for a strength and, and conditioning facility for Southern Miss. It was reported. So it, it's there's a lot of it, it, as as I mean, I saw ESPN was digging on it. The Athletic did a report on it. The AP has reporters doing full stories on this. They're calling his attorney. Nobody's returning a phone call. bus Cook, nobody's returning a phone call. There's a lot of it. it, it. Remember when Favre went through the whole text thing when he sent the, uh, the junk pick to the, I think she was a sideline reporter for the Jets, and that got him into trouble, and that was when the world started collapsing on Brett Favre. This is... And that was when he was playing. He still had a lot of popularity. He still has popularity, don't get me wrong. But there was just a lot that Favre had going for him. And when he got to New York, it was kind of like, I can do what I want in Green Bay. Green Bay, he was a huge fish in a very small pond. And a lot of people covered up a lot of things that he had did along the way. In New York, it's like, you're you're one of 40 stars. You know, who are you? And so they went after him. And, and now... This, this whole deal, uh, not only, and, and this was a very good uh, report that I had read about the marketing side of things, not only is he in financial trouble when it comes to the illegality of the funds that have been taken, received, and used, and he is claiming no knowledge of this, even though there are text messages stating that he did have an understanding that he didn't want this to get out because of what could be bad press or illegality. But now, as one uh, marketing company in New York put it, he's untouchable. You can't put him in. I mean, even the Copperfit people are now talking about getting rid of him as a spokesperson. He is now untouchable. It's one thing if you have an indiscretion and he recovered from that humiliating sequence in New York with the Jet Sideline Reporter. But this stealing not only stealing money from the charity but diverting funds from charity that you put together and taking it under taking money under false pretenses but also then as a guy that's made over 150 million dollars in your career stealing money from the state welfare system from those who really need it and then diverting it to sports facilities which clearly southern miss It's a college. We're not talking about underprivileged kids here. He's not building them a place to play. He's building a a volleyball facility for Southern Miss because his daughter played there, and he's wanting a better football facility, weight and strength training facility, because he played football there. This is is not charitable. And uh, one of the marketing firms in New York said he's just now untouchable. So his future income, short of pension for the NFL, his future income has been completely damaged because of all of this unless he comes out of this um, unless he comes out of this and there's proof that he just he just had no knowledge of any of this i mean his foundation claims to help children and cancer patients and that money's being diverted to go build volleyball facilities for down payments uh, on money to be to to be funded for the uh for the construction of a volleyball facility it, it's just it gets worse every day, and now everybody—I mean, the Pandora's box is now open—and everybody is piling on. So uh, that's uh, one of the other stories that's continuing to spin today. Good to have you on the Bud Light live stream. Glad to uh, see everybody, Ronald and Trevor and Jason and Steve and everybody. So good stuff for everybody stopping by and saying hello on that side as well. Got a lot of stuff coming up today. Hang in there. A whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. show welcome to everybody on the network all of you uh watching over on the bud light live stream as well we certainly appreciate it listening on the app and uh don't forget uh, you can always catch us on the podcast which is on apple and spotify and the google podcast as well so always track us down there you can catch us on youtube so many different uh platforms to take in the program should you choose to do so uh joining us now zach cox from nesn covering the uh covering the Patriots side of thing. Now joining us uh, on the line, and it's at Zach Cox, N-E-S-N, over on Twitter. Zach, how you doing?
2: Not too bad. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you. So uh, I know that uh, we've got uh, Mac Jones is in the building, uh, and according to some reports that maybe he's prepping in some way to play in this game, what is the likelihood do you think that he actually plays?
2: I mean, I would be pretty surprised if he – ends up getting out there on Sunday. Just based on all the reporting that we've heard this week about the injury, it, it's still up in the air whether he's going to get surgery, whether he's not. But the kind of the minimum, bare minimum of, of kind of games missed seems to be at least two or three. Uh, I th- feel like he, we, uh, I would be surprised if we see him play in, in either of the next couple of games. So, yeah, now this report's coming out now that he, essentially that he hasn't ruled himself out, for this game and he's told some teammates that um to basically not count not count him out and, and not make it a foregone conclusion that he won't play I don't know I, I have a hard time seeing him getting out there just based on the severity of this injury it would be a pretty uh pretty miraculous one week turnaround comeback and even if you have him out there he probably wouldn't be uh particularly mobile and able, able to do a whole lot so I don't know I, I'm expecting the uh the Brian Hoyer show this weekend um, but I guess there is a chance that that uh, will not be the case.
0: Brian Hoyer, uh, o for 11 in his last 11 substitutions, we'll say, as a backup quarterback. Is there uh, an o for 12 on the horizon, or does he bring something to the table and this team bring something to the table that's capable of knocking off the Packers?
2: I can talk myself into a scenario where the Patriots do win this game. Uh, I think they have enough talent around Brian Hoyer that if he... If he is just a kind of capable caretaker game manager, I think the Patriots do have a chance of, of pulling an upset in this game. They don't need him to be um, anything special. They don't need, need him to carry this offense and win the game on his shoulders or anything like that. They just need him to go in there and not make costly um, kind of game-changing mistakes, uh, no, no um, very, very bad turnovers, no kind of mental errors. And that's what hurt him the last time he was in this situation. Two years ago, he had to start in place of Cam Newton uh, in a game against the Chiefs. And he, overall, the Patriots actually were in position to contend and maybe even win that game. Uh, But Brian Hoyer had two really bad mistakes down in the red zone, cost them at least six points, potentially 14 points, uh, and they ended up losing that game. If he doesn't repeat that, if he can just play a, a reasonably clean game and the Patriots can play the kind of defense that they've played and run the ball the way they've had they have i think they do have a chance uh, of winning this game but at the same time it is hard to look at that 0 and 11 record in his last 11 starts and and have a ton of confidence there it's going to be uh as of this sunday it'll be exactly six years since brian hoyer last started and won a game so uh the recent track record with him is uh, is not particularly good
0: what do the Patriots do well that, that that you could really say this is what we would have to be able to bank on for this team to uh, maybe offset what the Packers do well?
2: Well, I think they need to run the ball well, and that's been a, a, a strength of theirs uh, through these first three games, which has been a little bit of a, little bit of a surprise uh, because it's something they really struggled to do over the summer. They were uh, implementing some new concepts and some new scheme type stuff and the, the new implementations just really weren't working, and it looked pretty ugly in, in training camp in the preseason. But once the regular season has begun, uh, they've really kind of gotten back to their old ways, uh, running the ball with Damien Harris. Harris and uh, Ramondre Stevenson, one of the better one-two punches in the backfield uh, that you'll see around the NFL. So I think that's something that could favor the Patriots, uh, especially since some of the uh, advanced metrics out there suggest that the, the Packers' run defense isn't particularly strong. Um, And also the Patriots defensively have been pretty good so far this season, especially in the secondary. Uh, They can get a couple pieces back that they were missing last game. uh, Kyle Duggar, their kind of versatile third-year do-everything didn't play the other day uh, against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and the Patriots really missed him in that game. Uh, But overall, uh, again, I think the Patriots are stout enough defensively and can run the ball well enough and do have just enough pass-catching talent around Brian Hoyer that they can win this game if if they can avoid falling into any kind of uh, double-digit early deficit that would force them to really go to the pass and really put the game on Brian Hoyer's shoulders.
0: Yeah, I was noticing, uh, I was looking at the the uh, injury report, and I know you mentioned Kyle Duggar, uh, Joshua Bledsoe, Adrian Phillips, the safeties are all got uh, one thing or another that's kind of ailing them. You got the cornerback, uh, Jalen Mills, has the hamstring. He was uh, back but limited. Uh, so they are somewhat nicked up right now. It's nothing that's completely detrimental, but there are some question marks there defensively in the secondary, right?
2: There definitely are. Uh, I would probably expect most of those players to play in this game. Uh, we don't know about Kyle Duggar yet. As I mentioned, he didn't play last week, uh, but he has been practicing. Uh, he, even, even last week before missing that Ravens game, he was at practice. So that would suggest that he's trending in the right direction at least. Uh, But a potentially big loss up front for the Patriots is Lawrence Guy. Uh, Defensive tackle doesn't really get a lot of publicity uh, locally or nationally, but he's a guy that's essentially started every single game for the Patriots over the last six or so years. Uh, He got to New England in 2017. Since then, he's started 80 of a possible 84 games, I believe, for the Patriots and played in another two. Uh, When you're going up against a team like the Packers that does have – a, a pretty productive rushing attack uh, that's not a guy that you want to be missing in the, the middle of your defensive line so he did not practice yesterday we'll see if he's out there today but uh, that would be a, a pretty significant loss for the Patriots up front on defense.
0: Getting away from the X's and O's I gotta ask you how frustrating is it to cover Bill Belichick?
2: <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that you that takes a certain skill I would say. Uh, I've been doing it for long enough at this point that you you kind of know what will work and what won't work um, with him in, in those press conference settings. Um, I, I know he has a, a reputation of somebody who basically never says anything and never gives the media anything. That's not exactly the case. Uh, if you, you ask him about the, the right topics in the right way, he'll talk your ear off for six or seven minutes. But uh, a lot of times in weeks like this where it, uh there's a question about who will start a quarterback for the patriots we really do not have that answer and bill belichick has not uh shown any interest in in sharing that answer uh which kind of goes back to the way he's he's always done things uh, with the success that he's had it's hard to argue about it too much but yeah it definitely makes uh our lives a bit more difficult than uh than it might be otherwise
0: Yeah, because I call the Packers red China. I mean, they don't want to give you anything about anything, and they will answer like a politician. Bill Belichick doesn't even answer. He just stands there and goes, ah, whatever, you know. I mean, it's – but then again, you talk to people and coaches, like we we go to Super Bowl every year, we'll talk to people about Belichick, and they're like, he's really funny. He's really a jocular guy. (laughs) I'm like, how the hell can that be? You know what I mean? Other than putting his dog at the table to make a draft choice.
2: Yeah, he. we've actually heard that from a lot of players, too, who come into uh, to New England either for free agent visits or, or signing with New England or coming uh, via trade. That's one of the first things they say. They're like, yeah, I'm surprised at how funny Bill is behind the scenes. Um, so he, he definitely knows how to turn on a, a certain persona that he wants to portray uh, in some of those media settings. But, uh, yeah, yesterday I think he said day by day, 12 total times uh, in his press conference when he was talking about Mac Jones and this whole injury mm-hmm. situation so yeah if uh, if he doesn't want to tell you something it's pretty much impossible to get it out of him
0: Talking with Zach Cox of NESN covering the uh, New England Patriots. They're coming into town this weekend to Lambeau Field. Uh, what is the mood right now? Because Patriots fans are so used to success. And I thought last year was really, and it might have been Bill Belichick's, one of his best coaching performances to get the most out of Mac Jones and the team that they had as they continue to rebuild life after Tom Brady. I thought last year was spectacular. Give me the mood right now with pa- Patriots fans.
2: Yeah, I think they're a little frustrated right now because, uh, as you mentioned, last year did seem like a step in the right direction after the, the Cam Newton season, which was essentially a, a reset year for the Patriots there. Uh, they were in a tough space cap-wise. They hadn't drafted well uh, in the previous couple of years, and their roster just really didn't have enough talent that year. Uh, they went out and spent a ton of money in free agency last offseason. You definitely saw some improvements on the field. Uh, then they kind of fell apart down the stretch and got blown out in the playoffs. But I think a lot of people were encouraged by the direction that the team was going in. Uh, And now it seems like it it certainly hasn't taken the step forward that a lot of people were hoping for. Uh, I know a lot of people are pretty uh, unhappy with the whole coaching setup this year with the way that Bill Belichick chose to replace Josh McDaniels, uh, who was Mm the Patriots longtime offensive coordinator, basically replaced him with Matt Patricia, who's now calling offensive plays and Joe Judge, who is now coaching quarterbacks for the Patriots. Those are two guys that have a ton of NFL experience, have been head coaches in the past, were longtime Patriots coordinators previously, but neither of them had ever called plays or worked with quarterbacks coming into this season. And the fact that you're now three games in, and this injury to Mac Jones notwithstanding, the offense has not looked particularly good so far. It's definitely been a a work in progress to, to put it charitably. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of people who are kind of unhappy with just the the whole state of the organization at this point because currently it does not look like the Patriots will improve on their um, their record and their finish from last season. Again, it's still very early. There, there are some people who are basically calling this a, a lost season already. I, I think that's a, a little bit premature and a little bit strong, but you definitely don't see as much uh, positivity as you saw at some point last season.
0: Yeah, you, you look at Josh McDaniels, he's over right now. Matt Patricia was a complete disaster in the Lions organization. Judge did not have any kind of a, uh, a successful tenure with the uh, or with the, uh, the Lions organization than the Giants organization. So, it, what is it about Bill Belichick that when his guys leave uh, from underneath the uh, the wing, so to speak, that they just fail miserably? I mean, even go back to like Romeo Crennel, who didn't have much success when he was getting out of there. I, nobody's had really mounting success under Bill Belichick.
2: Yeah, it's it's been tough. A lot of the the coaches who have left New England for head coaching jobs, they've tried to kind of emulate Bill Belichick a little bit too much. Uh, I know Josh McDaniels had that issue uh, the first time he was a head coach when he was in Denver. I know that was an issue for Matt Patricia, uh, because Bill Belichick is, is not always an easy coach to play for and to work with and to be around, and if you don't have that track record of success, it's you can turn off players pretty quickly. If Bill Belichick can do what he does because he's Bill Belichick and he has six Super Bowl rings with the Patriots and they've been successful for the last twenty years, if you're Matt Patricia coming into Detroit and trying to sort of play that same persona, and you're going, I don't know, four and four and eleven, four and twelve every year, it's it's kind of hard to get the buy-in that's necessary there. Um, and ironically, one of the more successful. Belichick assistants that's gone on to to coach elsewhere was Brian Flores, um, who had any playoff success or anything like that, but seemed to be trending in the right direction. And then he was uh, out of a job Mm -hmm. last year. So, yeah, Yeah. there's not a uh, a particularly long uh, track record of of these Patriots assistants going elsewhere and and finding the kind of success that they would hope for.
0: Zach, great stuff. Look forward to seeing you up here at uh, Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And then uh, we'll touch base again soon. Okay?
2: absolutely. Can't
0: wait. Thanks so much. There you go, Zach Cox, NESN, the New England Sports Network, and he covers the uh, the Patriots uh, for NESN. Joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline, yeah, it's uh, when you start to think about all the coaches that have come out of from, from underneath Bill Belichick and all the success that he has had, that they have had together as a group, and yet individually, just a ginormous crash and burn. And Josh McDaniels again, he, you know. He must interview extremely well. He's had three offerings, taken two jobs. Remember, he walked the Indianapolis Colts up to the altar only to beg out of that particular situation. And it seems to be a somewhat of a statistical train wreck right now uh, out in Las Vegas uh, with the Raiders. It's just, man, what a, the coaching tree, unlike you go back to like the Bill Walsh coaching tree and then the Mike Holmgren, the guys that left Holmgren and and such, and you know, now you've got uh, the spinoffs of the Shanahan's and the McVeigh's and such, and and there's been some success there. And But you look at the Bill Belichick coaching tree, it's like, holy crap. Uh, apparently, Bill is the dictator in mind to all, and they are the minions who follow his lead, and the minions cannot emulate the master <laughs> because the success just, it's, it's just not there. You don't have Bill. Bill Belichick is not in that building, without a doubt. Uh, So anyway, uh, thanks to Zach for joining us for a couple of minutes and uh, giving us kind of the insight. It does not look as if Brian Hoyer is going to get his first win in his last uh, 12 attempts, we'll say. At least that's the thought that's prevalent. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. The riding season is not over. We're hanging on to it like grim death at this point. And if you're looking to ride, you're looking for warm motor clothes, you are looking for parts, accessories, or storage, eventually when you do decide to call it quits on the riding season, uh, they've got storage. They can take care of your bike, give it service, oil changes and such, store it nice and comfortably away, take care of your baby over the the wintertime, and then bring it back in spring and get you ready to go. That's Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. It's right between... Uh, we'll say uh, Milwaukee and Madison, just south of hi- the highway on 94 out in Oconomowoc. Give them a buzz or uh, go to their website, WISHD.com. WISHD.com, that is Wisconsin Harley Davidson in Oconomowoc.
2: This is The Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast.